You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you here at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. This episode brought to you in part by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Hope everyone had a great Father's Day weekend. Matt, happy Father's Day to you. You too. How'd it go for you? Have a good weekend? Uh, we were we busy good. We, weekend, we right? were driving all around the state of California, visiting grandparents, and it was also little Leo's third birthday a few days ago, so everyone wanted to cool. kind of celebrate both. So we were doing a lot and having a good time. Pretty exhausted today, but it was it was fun. It was great seeing family and things, and it's always good for the little one to uh, see his, all his little cousins and run around. And luckily, we had a pool at the in-laws' house, too, and it was 109 degrees, so we definitely utilized that. Uh, yes, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Good weekend in the Peacock household. Nice. It sounds like a blast. Did you uh, do anything special for Father's Day, or did you just have an opportunity to not do anything, which is usually what most fathers are looking for? Yeah, mowed the lawn. <laughs> That's not super exciting for a Father's Day <laughs> treat. Watched the, uh, both NBA games, and then three of my best buds, You know, we graduated high school together. We're still all really close. We all live really close. We have a tradition. We go to a local watering hole People have heard of it, Permanis. It's like a, a, the Pittsburgh sandwich with fries and coleslaw on it. But we go there like 8 o'clock every Sunday night on Father's Day now for like 10 or 12 years running. Get a free sandwich, drink some Molson's, yuck it up. I like it. Is that the place that has the Rothless burger? It does. Okay. And yeah, it, it's pretty well known. Like it's two big pieces of, of uh, like thick Italianish bread, coleslaw, your meat of choice. I went for kielbasa, add an egg. Um, I always don't get tomatoes on it, but fries are on it. It's kind of like the most well-known Pittsburgh sandwich. Okay. And I'm going to get my Pittsburgh card revoked, but it's a little overrated. <laughs> well, those kind of things <laughs> usually are. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. The best spots are always the ones that nobody knows about. It's this little hidden corner of the world. And you almost don't want to tell people because you don't want it to become played out like that. Yeah. And that's how this started. And now it's a chain. Right. And, you know, there's one at Heinz Field and PNC Park. And, you know. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there and dog fathers and, and cat dads in the world. So let's uh, let's get this rolling here. We are getting back into Matt Williamson's spreadsheet, and it continues to grow. And today we are looking at plays per game. Defensive plays, offensive plays per game. And uh, this is fun. And just off the air, we've already found some directions that this conversation can go just by looking at things at another angle. And sometimes it's fun in the offseason to stand on your head a little bit, right? And look at numbers and look at teams. And you, know, you realize a lot of things about the league. When, and I did, you know, something I didn't, things I didn't expect to be thinking about today, I started thinking about when I was looking at your breakdown here of points per game. Yeah. Plays per game. And, I, I've never done this one before, and it just kind of dawned on me, like, things I'd pay attention to were time of possession, you know, yards per play, points per game, things like that. But I was kind of thinking about it, like, sure, time of possession is great, but if I come to the line of scrimmage and I'm real slow and I eat clock, my time possession numbers are going to go up without running a ton of plays. And, you know, we've been using a lot of, you know, an analogies from other sports, like, my hunch is, you know, I know this for baseball. If you can get that starting pitcher to throw a lot of balls, I mean, I think that to me, that's like making your defensive opponent play a lot of snaps mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm sure it's a much lesser degree, but 
you know, every time up and down the court takes a little bit away from every NBA player. I mean, just if you have to sprint up and down the court or every hockey line you take takes a little bit out of you. So I was, you know, just curious, like what teams ran the most plays per game on offense and what teams made their opponents do the same or the opposite. And then I took, you know, O minus D to see the differential. And I, I don't think it's as telling as some of the other ones we've talked about, but I thought it was interesting. And like you said, it, you know, it, it, it inspires a little conversation. When it comes to snaps per game for the NFL too, there's the way the play clock operates makes it impossible to go as fast as even some of the coaches want and as fast as you can go in the college Mm -hmm. game. In the college game, you can go at light speed compared to in the NFL because you have to take a certain amount of time and then subs and then the other team has to be able to sub. And so there's there's and I think Chip Kelly ran into this problem because he was sort of ahead of the curve as far as how many plays he ran and how fast things went for him at Oregon. And and things started to work out pretty well for him in in the NFL, but then it stopped working. And his genius wasn't in play calling and play designs and, and how he called plays. It was more in the process process of having everybody play fast and there was a big Tempo. there was yeah. a big deal made about the smoothies he was given to players so they would be you know at optimal level when he came over to the 49ers which only lasted for one year but he he was hamstrung in how fast he could make things go but even still we see some teams able to run at a pace much higher than other teams yeah yeah so here are the leaders and again I don't know if this is a direct reflection that wow they're they're ready to burst out, but there were seven teams that ran over 66 plays per game. I kind of made that a cutoff, but the top ones were the Chargers at 70.4 and Dallas at 69.6. The other ones that are runners up there are Arizona, who kind of have that Chip Kelly feel. You know, they, they want to play fast. I mean, traditionally, I mean, that's what they brought to yeah. the league. Atlanta, the Rams, Philly, and Pittsburgh. So I kind of looked at Atlanta and Dallas and thought bad defenses, good offenses, especially when Dak was there. They probably had to play in a lot of shootouts, and so that probably translated to a lot of plays. But I didn't really have a great reason of why are the Chargers number one in the league in plays per game. I mean, especially the rookie quarterback who you know you'd think would be swimming a little bit. Rookie quarterback Anthony Lynn. Um, yeah, that was that one stood out to me as a team. It's like, well, that's surprising. And then looking right. ahead, they have a new coaching staff this year too, right? So how much would that possibly change? Was it just a, a fluky situation there? Was it were they behind enough to where they had to to go fast to play catch up? You know, so so those sort of things and time of possession sort of works together. I'm sure with a lot of these things when it comes to um, when it comes to snaps. Per game, mm-hmm. but I was actually very surprised as well to see how far and away the uh, the the Chargers were ahead when it comes to plays per game. Yeah, me too. I mean, the more I think about it, I mean, remember they're always in close games and they have a great habit of losing them under Anthony Lynn. Did they go to overtime two more times than other teams? You know, I don't know. I, I, but uh, that was shocking to me. And you would just think, you know, that in a nutshell. Herbert's ability to run a lot of plays per game is certainly positive from a mental standpoint with him for, you know, only being in the league one year. So when it comes to the Chargers and you think, okay, well, that's a fluke. That's not going to happen anymore. They're not going to be a team that goes fast because they got a defensive minded head coach now in Brandon Staley coming over. But what I find fascinating, just looking specifically at the Chargers now, is that the Rams, who Staley just came from, were second 
on the list. So yeah, yeah, and and, and the Chargers' offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi came from New Orleans, who is fourth on this list, right? Or or at least they when you look at uh, the differential. So they're a team that has traditionally moved at a certain pace too. So even though it's a defensive minded head coach, and you think oh they're going to grind out games. The Chargers might be a team that stays near the top and continues to go fast because I would think that it's their young, uh, new-minded head coaches or coaches there in head coach Brandon Staley and offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, where there might be a team that that and they have personnel to continue to go fast. Yeah, and this certainly has some fantasy overtones too because if you're running back Austin Eckler, for in this example, his team is playing five more snaps a game than the other teams. You know, if you're thinking about picking who should I take in the first round between these two and this guy's team plays five more snaps than the other team, well, that's a huge difference over the course of the year. And I mentioned, you know, how, you know, making a pitcher throw one more pitch, one more pitch or whatever, one more time up and down the ice. None of those is like a football play. I mean, one play in football takes a lot out of the human body for 22 human beings every snap. <laughs> yes, and a lot of thought and a lot of multiple inputs from coaches and players and, and people touching the ball. And and so, yeah, and I, I do. That's still... a great point. I apologize for interrupting. Yeah. But the more plays you play, the smarter coaches are going to gather more data. Right. That's what makes football so fascinating to me. And that's why football has over like I was a baseball kid growing up and and baseball was my number one sport. And over the course of the last you know decade plus football really started to take over because there's so many of those things. And there's so many elements to it and the way that rosters are built and the way that the draft is and the way that um, different people can look at the same stats of the same game and come up with just immensely different ideas about what they're looking at that's that's the genius to me of the nfl it's not so much like oh cool good player made awesome play there's you can get as deep as you want in a game that seems on the surface to be a bunch of brutes bumping heads with each other yeah uh, that's a good point i mean the more and more knowledge i gain about the game the real the more i realize how much i don't know yes yep absolutely Absolutely. Okay, let's get into some of these things, some more of the top offensive and defensive plays per game teams in the NFL coming up on Peacock and Williamson. No NFL games to bet on, but NBA playoffs are happening and are super fun, especially when you've got a little extra on the line. Major League Baseball every day, all summer, all your sporting needs, odds, latest news at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports Action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action at Bet Online. This is your chance to get into the game. NBA playoffs, there's triple crown, horse racing, golf majors happening, the PGA Championship. And not just sports, by the way, a ton of other things to get involved with at Bet Online. There is table games, poker, blackjack, even reality TV and award shows to bet on. Head to the website or use your device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with promo code locked on that is promo code locked on at betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbook experts all right chargers at the top in plays per game remind me who the other top teams were matt dallas they are 69 then we have arizona who i mentioned i think they want to play fast atlanta at 67.4 I think Atlanta and Dallas are similar, you know, that they had to play shootouts to survive. Um, But 
at the end here, I want to mention two teams that are kind of intriguing with their overall play per game differential, and Dallas is one of them. So I'm going to come back to them. Um, I want to mention the bottom guys, though. So there were nine teams that ran less than 63 plays per game. Uh, Green Bay's at 62.8. I think that's because they were very, very efficient, you know, frankly, you know, maybe even unsustainably. Baltimore at 62.8. I just think that's because they're they're low because they run the ball so much. The clock ticks a little bit more. And then there's teams you would expect. Jacksonville, Carolina, Detroit, New England. They're the same thing. I mean, they're a bad offense and they ran the ball pretty much only. And then the bottom ones were the two New York teams. Again, not shocking. And Houston's at 58.8, which that one shocked me a little because a lot changed, obviously, with the Texans. But last year's Texans were really, really high in yards per play on offense and terrible on defense. Watson had an amazing season. I mean, say what you want since happened with Mm -hmm. that guy and that whole organization. But that offense running such few plays is kind of criminal because they were good at running plays. I, the bottom of the list is really weird. I'm having a tough time. Obviously, there's some bit. there's some very bad teams there too. But yeah, like, like bad team. Yeah, I mean, basically they're they're bad teams. That's that's what we're looking mostly, at. Mostly, yeah. mostly. But then there's a team like Baltimore, but they're the outlier in how they run their offense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, I thought Houston was shocking though, just because. They were a good offense. Watson made a lot happen. The line wasn't bad. They had Fuller and those guys, and you know, so I, I found that interesting. So let's get into the defensive side. Is that cool by you? Yeah. One more on the offensive yeah. side here that was in the bottom of plays per game was Green Bay. Is it just because they were ahead so much? Because that's an I offense think they were too good at it. Yeah. Like they were too efficient. <laughs> they were just so. Efficient. I mean, they had very few punts. I yeah. mean, that I, I'm, I bet points per drive they had to lead the league. I mean, I'm not sure that's going to keep up. I mean, I'm sure it'll still be fine, but I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be as efficient as it was. Matt LaFleur, by the way, ranked very high in pro football focuses, and maybe it was maybe it was even as high as number three for the top head coaches currently in the NFL. It went Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, I think Matt LaFleur. And with what we've seen before, right, yeah. and we have to remember that LaFleur, he's been 13-3 and two consecutive seasons as head coach for the Green Bay Packers. His first year wasn't Rodgers' best season either, and that's probably why they drafted a quarterback because Rodgers is getting up there in age, and he hadn't been MVP like Aaron Rodgers for a couple of seasons, and then he came back with a vengeance last year. So how, how much, just as a complete aside here to get off track a little bit, uh, would you agree with that ranking top three Head coach in the NFL. I mean, if you're looking at scoreboard, yeah, he's he's gone 13 to three, two consecutive years, uh, and you know had his team deep into the playoffs. Where are you at with Matt Lafleur and what's going on there in Green Bay? Is does does he deserve to be in the conversation with some of the best coaches in the NFL right now? That seemed a little rich. I read those two because I I think that I don't remember the list, but it didn't have some of the the stalwarts on it, the Tomlins, the Paytons, those type of, there's a couple of those guys that he was over and, you know, it doesn't mean just cause he's new, he's, he's bad or, you know, shouldn't be ranked really high. I look at head coaches a little bit as a lifetime achievement award, more so than a two year flash in the pan. 
not implying that it's a flash in the pan. He's done a tremendous job, 26 and 6 in the regular season. It's remarkable taking over a new team. And you made a great quarterback better. Um, so, yeah, I'm on board. And I guess to your point, it seems odd to me that the national media doesn't lump him with Shanahan and McVeigh as, you know, the bright young minds. He doesn't really get talked about like that. You're right. And he probably deserves to at least be spoken of in, in those terms of the brightest young coaches in the NFL. And, and maybe he will more. But for some reason, the media is a little bit more enamored just because of how you know fast and upbeat Sean McVay is maybe and Shanahan with the Shanahan name. It's been on the radar for a lot longer. But you just mentioned how the efficiency was with Green Bay's offense. And I thought, you know, Matt LaFleur probably deserves some credit, maybe not a top three coach currently in the NFL because it's hard, like you said, with, with coaching to just have a snapshot of what they're looking like right now. It's it's overtime and it takes time. So we'll see if he keeps up that consistency. But if he keeps going 13-3, and three, we're going to have to have some other conversations. Yeah, without question, which actually, coincidentally, I just resorted the the spreadsheet. Green Bay's defense was the best in the league in plays per game. You know, they only they were the number they allowed the fewest plays per game in the league. So there are uh, about 10 teams that allowed their opponents last year to run under 63 plays per game. And Green Bay was number one at 60.3. And so Green Bay games in general just had very few plays. Is that by design? I have a hard time believing it's not since it's a, a thing on both sides of the ball. I mean, is their analytics department saying our best chance of winning is having fewer plays per game where some team, because the next team on the list, New England, their second best at 61.4. I promise you Belichick's aware of that and realized we're short on talent. The more plays we we run in a game, the less chance we have to win. It's it's kind of, you know, like in that situation, you or I might beat LeBron James in a three-point contest if it's first one to two. But if it's first one to 100, we're never winning. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So if New England yeah. says we have less talent, we have a good game plan, and we can play fewer plays, we have a better chance of surviving this game. Green Bay, Baltimore, New England. Those are the three teams that really stand out in this, where they were really low on offensive snaps and really good on defensive snaps. Yeah. And it's looking like those three teams by far, and I'm trying to do quick math here. I think Green Bay might have run the fewest plays total in per game when Looks you like consider offense and defense in, in the entire league. 123. Yeah. Yeah. I should add those columns up. Interesting. Very fascinating. Yeah. And obviously, we just talked about it. Baltimore is just an outlier in all of these things we look at because they run their team and their offense, especially just different than everybody else. Yeah. The, the play the play clock doesn't stop very much because the ball doesn't hit the ground as much. You know, I, mean, I think that, that, that one's kind of obvious to me. Here are the other best defenses on play per game. I mentioned here's the top ones in order Green Bay, New England, the Saints, the Colts, the Rams, the Chargers, your Niners, um, Ravens, Steelers, Miami. And there's not a lot of shocks there. I mean, I thought the Rams and Steelers were two of the best defenses in the league. New Orleans had a really good defense. You know, so those kind of add up to me of the, the the defenses that would get people off the field, you know, more so, obviously. What I found interesting was the defense or the teams that allow the defenses that allowed the most plays per game to me was interesting. Because there's uh, three, four, there's seven of them that allowed their opponent on average to run 66 plays per game or more. And the worst one by about two plays per game 
is Seattle. If, if you played the Seattle Seahawks, on average, you ran just under 70 plays per game. And we know that defense was bad, especially early in the year. And a lot of us, myself included, give Pete Carroll a hard time. You know, boy, he's a little stuck in the Stone Ages and let Russ cook and all this nonsense. And it's not nonsense. But if your defense is on the field for six, almost 70 plays a game, maybe he's realizing I have to shorten the game. I need to run the football on offense to protect my defense because they're out there too much. Seattle definitely sticks out like a sore thumb on this list because the teams yeah. that are around them, when you look at plays per game differential, when you look at defensive plays per game, is the worst teams in the NFL, the top five, you know, eight picks in the draft. You're right. talking about Jackson, the Jets, Detroit. Houston, yeah. Giants, Detroit, Jacksonville, Carolina. Those are the teams. Those are the teams that that are nearest to Seattle as far as points per game. So it's amazing. And again, another outlier team, though, when we look at these things is Seattle, the way they've been able to win games. And you're like, oh, this is the year they're going to suck. Right. And I'm like, nope, they never do. Never do. Never do. Another one that sticks out amongst the worst because they're a good football team. I mean, the other ones, Philly, Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, the Jets, they're all bad. You would expect their defenses to be out there a lot. But Tennessee is third worst. I mean, only better than the Jets in Seattle. And you can see that defense wearing down. You can see, you know, if the point, the quick point is, is if the Titans defense is on the field for over 67 plays a game, that means Derrick Henry isn't. You know what I mean? And he's not coming downhill at you. Very good point. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's a fantastic point. Let's talk point per game differential now. Uh, and and this is obviously the, the, the thing you can really tell. Who are the good teams? Who are the bad teams? For the most part. But there's also some non-correlations as well when it comes to points per game differential. When you, plays per game. Or yeah. plays, I would keep saying right, plays right, per right. game. Plays per game is what we're talking I've about. Plays per too. game differential. We'll finish this up on Peacock and Williams. I love Built Bar Day. Got a package in my mailbox. Built Bar has delicious nine original flavors, but occasionally you get that limited edition flavor. Grasshopper cookie showed up. If you love Thin Mints, you're going to love the grasshopper flavor of Built Bar. Only 150 calories in this flavor with a whopping 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. The original nine flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, Peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate. I love the peanut butter flavors. Like all of the peanut butter flavors are awesome, in my opinion. Go so great with the consistency. Oh, yeah. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. So go to builtbar.com, build your own box of built bars. Use promo code LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your first order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much? 
for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we've got offensive plays per game, defensive plays per game, and then now when you put those together, the differential of plays per game, Matt. Yeah, right. And you would expect the best teams to shine here. And there are seven teams that are running at least three more plays per game than their opponent over the course of a 16-game schedule, which adds up. I mean, every play in the NFL is extremely important. It gives you a chance to score points or keep your opponent off the field, obviously. I think that goes without saying. Um, Five of them were between three and four more plays per game than their opponent. Then those were the Steelers, the Saints, Dallas, Indy, and San Francisco. I'll get to the top two in a minute, but I found it interesting, and I tweeted this the other day, that despite all the Cowboys and Niners troubles last year, and they were many, and many of it, much of it was injury-driven, these two teams still outpaced their opponents by over three plays per game. I think that's something to hang your hat on going forward for those two teams. I also see in some of this the the defense for the Colts and the 49ers gave their offense a lot of opportunities too. And you know, for the 49ers, even though the season didn't go well and they weren't as efficient on offense as they they could have been, the defense held their head above water and played well enough to give them an opportunity to be in some games that maybe they shouldn't have been because they're mm-hmm. on their third string quarterback and and everybody was hurt. So uh, I, I don't know if you point to coaching for that, if you just point to whatever. But and the the 49ers are it's funny because the Shanahan tree coaches want to go faster than Shanahan himself does. In a lot of ways, Shanahan's a very old school coach who wants to run the ball first and is not going to want to lead the league in plays per game and doesn't really want to go super fast. But they've had a good defense to give the ball back to an offense that was really sputtering last year uh, with, you know, third string talent on the field. Yeah, yeah. And probably not surprising, the best two teams in the league in plays per game differential are the two LA teams. And Um, not because they're both in L.A., but the Rams were really one of the best offenses in the league and probably the best defense. But they ran a little over five plays per game more than their opponent. The Chargers ran over eight plays per game more than their opponent. That's a ton. I mean, it's like two series or, you know, two, three, you know. um, They were number one in offense, as we mentioned, and they were amongst the league leaders in defense, too. So, I think that's encouraging, you know, especially if you get an uptick in, you know, Herbert's play in year two and a a coaching change. We kind of talked about them, but that was one of the more interesting findings. This whole exercise is why are the Chargers so far above everyone else in terms of point or plays per game differential? Defense gave the ball back to the offense, and the offense just fell just short. <laughs> they were good, but not yeah. good enough to put the right amount of points on the board there. And so that's that. that I look at those, and I think ah, maybe a coaching change is something that's really going to help uh, with with a team like the Chargers. That's what that one tells me. The interesting one to me here is Pittsburgh, and I think it tells a perfect story of the season where the defense was good, plays per game, kept giving the ball back to the offense. So the offense ran a lot of plays, but. The offense is obviously what hurt the team 
and the defense mm-hmm. buoyed the offensive plays per game because they were in games and they were allowed to run a lot of plays. It's similar to what I was kind of talking about with the, the 49ers and, and a little bit with the Saints, too, where the defense gave the ball back to the offense so many times that they were able to run more plays on offense than maybe um, yeah, their record would make you think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I'm going to get to these bottom ones in a minute, but there were a couple that were kind of interesting. Green Bay was very low on offense, very low on defense. Uh, Baltimore was very low on offense, very low on defense. Philly was the opposite. They were very high on offense, high on defense. New England, very low on offense, very high on defense. You know, and we touched on a couple of those, you know, some of them and they're real extreme one way or another adds up. And we had the New England conversation and that certainly makes sense. And Belichick realizes, hey, I just don't have the bullets of my opponents. So the worst teams in the league, in, in plays per game differential, there were seven teams that were three and a half or worse, minus three and a half plays per game. Tennessee at minus 3.6, Jacksonville, Detroit, the Giants, Seattle again, because their defense was on the field so much. I mean, the offense was average, but they're minus 6.1 plays per game if you're Seattle. I mean, that's Puts a lot of stress on Russell Wilson, and defense is just out there forever. And then this won't shock anybody, but the worst two teams in the league were Houston and the Jets. And both those guys allowed their opponent. I mean, on an average Sunday afternoon, the Texans and Jets opponents ran eight or more plays per game than than these teams. I mean, it's that's tough, man. Eight, eight football plays on a a guard or a nose tackle or a linebacker. I mean, it, that's a problem. Yeah, there's a reason that those two teams earned the first two picks in the NFL draft last year. The only two teams that didn't run 60 plays per game on offense either. Uh, yeah. And it's 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 a lot more telling the teams at the bottom of this list than the top. There's a lot yeah. more context you need to figure out what's going on with the teams that led the league in points or play I keep calling it points per game because it's PPG and uh, just these uh, plays per game differential it, it there's a lot more context needed to figure out what was going on with those teams uh, uh, Seattle's the huge outlier everybody else is just a flat-out bad team if the other if the opponent was yeah. running that many more plays than you right I mean like the Jets is pretty obvious their offense couldn't move the ball all year so they didn't they didn't create many first downs they didn't stay on the field long defense had to make up for it but there's nowhere to go but up. You know what I mean? I mean, if they could get some of these teams, I look at it and say, what if the Jets are only allowing their opponent to run two more plays per game than 8.4 next year? Okay, you know, I can understand that. And one team I want to throw out there too that has not been brought up, the Super Bowl champs, they were mediocre across the board. They, and when it was all said and done, they were minus 0.4. So the basically even in terms of points per game, um, you know, that they allowed and they ran. And then Kansas City, I want to mention too, because these are the Super Bowl champs. Neither Kansas City was a slightly above average in both, and they only ran two more plays per game than their opponent last year. So those are the two Super Bowl champs. I mean, maybe these numbers aren't as important as I'm making them out to be. I just thought it was really interesting to kick the tires on it and, you know, think about it more and, you know, go from there and maybe we'll learn something. My big takeaway from this is you should probably be really, really trying not to be at the bottom of the list, and that's it. You know, be somewhere yeah, yeah. not at the bottom <laughs> because there's good teams in the middle, good teams at the top, there's bad teams at the top, bad teams in the middle, but 
every team but one at the bottom is horrific. Were the worst teams in the NFL last year. So you basically just don't want to be on the bottom of this list. You don't yeah, want to have the, mean, if, the biggest. You don't want your opponents to be running a ton more plays than you. One play per game, not a huge deal. No. Eight plays per game, massive deal. Massive deal, and it goes back to the three-pointing comp- competition. If it's me versus you, and not us versus LeBron, and on average, you know the the rules are you get sixty-six basketballs to shoot because that's like kind of the average number here, give or take. But you get eight more shots than me. Well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's huge in basketball. It's huge in, in hockey, right? Like how many more just attempts at the net do NHL teams take now versus 10 years ago? I don't know. I'm sure I'm curious An what shots amount. per game I, is that, you know, right. My, I, I'm, I'm definitely not that big into hockey, but one thing I do know is they are just shooting like mad <laughs> compared to back in the day. Those ga- those hockey games used to grind out and, and you know, the, the, the ice didn't get any bigger. By the way, I love international, like Olympic hockey and international hockey when they have the ice opened up a little bit more. Mm, I, different love range. I would love for the NHL to open up the ice to see how good these guys are, how athletic they are. It's almost too condensed to really see how good. Like, it. It's so much more fun to me to watch that hockey, that style of hockey, just because you get to see how awesome these guys are. In Major League Baseball, similar things going on. The ball's in play less, and you don't see how good these guys are on defense and, and uh, how fast they are, how good they are at running the bases and, and stolen bases and some of those things. So when, you know, uh, it's interesting the way sports change and then the way leagues have to try to find rules. We're seeing a ton of that going on with Major League Baseball, and they're just doing a terrible job chasing their own tail. <laughs> uh, we're going completely off topic here, and we're out of time anyway. But, um, yeah, just like – these athletes are so good. Any rules changes you should be making to showcase how good those athletes are. Like get the ball in play yeah. in baseball. Let's open up the ice in hockey. Like I want to see these guys move around and, and I want to see their skill. And that's one reason I think the NBA is still so popular. And I think the the NFL could be put in that side of things too, is those leagues are, have recently headed in a direction that allows athletes to be athletes more than ever. That, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I've been watching a lot of NBA, and the, the court dimensions haven't changed, but the area of the court that they shoot from has changed dramatically yes. since Curry showed up. You know what I mean? So that opens up, you know, driving to the hoop. You know, if you got to guard a guy several feet outside the three-point line, well, that's just a lot more space for the defense to guard. And to bring it back to the NFL, clearly the NFL is showcasing speed and dynamic receivers Mm -hmm. and the passing game and all the, you know, we know that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't have Lane beer dropping a a forearm in you when you're driving through the lane (laughs) of the NBA and you don't have Ronnie Lott ear holing you in the NFL anymore. As I say, Jack Tatum taking her head off over the (laughs) middle or, you know, all right, out of time here. Good stuff. That is plays per game. If you have any questions on where exactly your team lays on this list feel free to hit us up on twitter at bd peacock at williamson nfl and that's also the place to tag us for twitter tuesday so get those questions in whatever it is you go off topic if you want at bd peacock at williamson nfl we will answer your questions right here tomorrow on peacock and williamson